this is my second sermon this morning because Praise Band meets here at 8.30 and I always talk to them for at least a half hour or 45 minutes. And we're talking about this whole concept of actually not becoming what you don't want to become. But actually moving forward in your life because there have been things along the path that have slowed you down. And you must be willing to literally put the past in the past instead of keep bringing it up all the time so that it haunts you and destroys you. And that's, that's a daily process, isn't it? I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to be hooked to the failures and disappointments of the past. I'm moving forward. And so many times I've said when I look back at my Christian life, it's like looking back at Arlington National Cemetery where there are thousands of of white crosses in the ground from where I put the past in the past and yet it seemed like something happened again and I once again needed to put the past in the past. And then I shared that there's a great acronym for failure. It's fail is this. Failure always involves learning. It always involves learning. It involves risk too, but it involves learning. If, if I cannot learn from the past, I'm doomed to repeat the past. Yes, in my own personal life and in my children, we will see history repeat itself through not just my life, but for my kids. We're pretty tight as a church body, so I know most of you quite well. And we, we share our burdens together. We share our prayer requests. We share our desires together. We share our past so that we can help each other not be repeat history makers. Yes, we're repeating history and, and we don't have to fail. And if we fail, we certainly have learned that learning is a part of it. And then last week we were talking about the fact that as Moses has now died and Joshua and Caleb are getting up in years. Joshua is actually now 85 years old and he is the man that has been chosen to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. Now, he's already been there. He's already been to this same river some 40 years earlier. And he stood at those riverbanks thinking, you know, singing, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. That song sounds a lot like Gilligan's Island, you know. It's, I cast a wishful eye way back then. I was a man of vision way back there. Listen to me because this applies to someone in the room who is young now and looking forward to a future that's prosperous with God's help. And you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? I've failed in the past, but I've, I've learned from my failures and I've come around and I'm not going to repeat history again. I'm not going to let the cycle repeat itself. You've stood like... Joshua did and Caleb did 40 years ago as an adult and made some mistakes. And God says, I don't want you to continue to make those same mistakes over and over. And you've heard the definition for insanity many times throughout your life. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work at all. And in order to move forward, we shared this last week, that the number one problem that God had with the children of Israel was that they were constantly complaining. 
They were always looking for what's wrong with something. My secretary for years, Karen Foote, sitting back there, she came up to me last Sunday and said, have you ever heard this preacher, John Gray? And I said, I don't think so. She said, well, like he's my, like one of my favorite preachers, and he's kind of like you, Pastor Gary. He likes to have humor in the messages, kind of impromptu humor. So I went back and I listened to several of his messages, and I listened to one last night that was called The Ministry of Silence. There are times that you need to specifically have a ministry of silence where you are actually quiet because you're asking God privately, what is it that you want to teach me? Because we always like to be talking. Talking seems to get us out of our trouble. Let me just talk here and work my way out of this and convince myself that I'm okay. Let me just talk to other people and see if I can't convince my way out of this situation. And God is saying, no, I want you to be still. You cannot manipulate God. I want you to be still and know that I am God. It's so much easier to plan out everything. See, the way I'm wired is I'm a perfectionist. So I like my house to be clean. My wife was awesome at cleaning. It was clean when she came home because I knew she would be happier with me if she got back from being away for 10 days and the house was actually clean. A dog shedding like a pony. <laughs> and, oh, I could go off on that one. Actually, the dog was good this time. When my wife came in the door, the dog spazzed out like crazy. She just went nuts and was biting Becky's face. And I thought she was going to take her nose off because it's a mama's dog. But I like my stuff all neat and in a row and organized. So I had the yard perfect, the stripes and the lawn are perfect, and blah, blah, blah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yard person because I grew up on a farm, so I love planting stuff and seeing it grow. And I'm a perfectionist about cleanliness too. But you can have all of your ducks in a row and everything perfect and still be miserable and still not move forward. You want to know why? Because you can't get over what happened back there. You just can't get over it. It just seems like it keeps reoccurring. I had it happen to me this week. The devil's whispering in your ear, you're just never going to be able to move forward because of that. And Joshua and Caleb now, 85 years old, standing on the shore of the Jordan River, ready to, to stick their foot and obey God like they should have years ago, but went back and let the 10 spies who were negative destroy the possibilities there will always be people in your life that will be possibility destroyers. They see the bad in everything. The cup is not just half empty, it's empty. You have anything to praise the Lord about today? No. No. Some, some people are already shouting, yeah, and I'm not even asking you that for an answer. I'm, I'm serious, seriously, you know what I'm talking about? There's people out there that are, oh, Jesus, yeah, let me loose up there. I, my wife wanted to share about China. I said, I won't be able to preach if you get up there, honey. You know what I'm talking about? Because she would just take over the whole service about all the awesome things that are happening. The kid in the kiddie pool that got baptized because God did something in his life. See, our friends over there, Laturzas, will be coming to our church in September because they're coming back now on furlough. And so some of the women know them from the last times that they were in China. 
they have been there 14 years and only been able to reach four families. You know sometimes you gripe and you fail to remember how good you have it. You are so blessed. All it takes is one storm to sweep through here with 70-mile-an-hour winds and knock us out of commission. You go to the grocery store and it's emptied. You think an apocalypse had taken place. Oh, God, a day without food. Are you kidding me? The refrigerator's not working. Life is over. <laughs> Life is over, God. The refrigerator's not working. The freezer. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do without ice cream? God, help us. Really? Too many of us are grumblers. And I said this last week, we need to stop listening to the grumblers and start hanging with the grapplers because I was going to have a wrestler get up here and wrestle some people and do that as an illustration, but you get what I mean. You, you start hanging with the grapplers that are really good at fighting against the things that come your way, and they'll fight with you. You could tell them what's going on there, say, I got your back, man. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, we're together on this. And I said, you actually need a spotter in your life, someone who's looking out for you. They care that much about you that they're actually looking out for you. They've got your back. They're going to come to you and say, don't do this because this is going to lead to trouble. You know, my advice is to people, I, I've said this through the years, there's this elusive dream that there's something out there that offers greater promise to you. There's something out there. And while I think we need to be visionary, I think we need to be cautiously visionary. You need to start out by praising God for where you're at and what you have because you're rich today. You realize that? In contrast to the rest of the world, you are extremely rich. This is good, right? Say it with me. This is good. This is a really awesome day. The last two days were amazing. There was no humidity. I love Michigan. My favorite part of the world, been to probably 25 countries. Our neighbors right behind us. Um, they just got back from a couple weeks in Europe. He works for some big company, and they were over there for two weeks. While Becky was gone, we stepped out on the deck last night because my whole canopy thing on the deck <laughs> went <laughs> during the storm. Almost came through the windows of my living room. And we were out there talking last night to him, and he was talking about Strasbourg and different places they had been. They went to Paris and how awesome their trip was, and then Becky was sharing about her trip. You know um, I have been in probably 25 countries, almost every state in America, and I love Michigan. I love it because there's so much variety. It could snow in the summer here. It's possible. No humidity the last couple of days. Perfect fire nights, you know, where you get... Chestnuts roasting on the open fire. Should be marshmallows roasting on the open fire. S'mores are waiting for you. Chocolate and garbage is not what you need. No, it's not what you need. Mm-hmm, yes. You know that is not what you need. You need Jesus. But chocolate's a close second. Josiah was asking me what, what my favorite candy was, and I said it would have to be um, Hershey bars with almonds. 
Do you know they've taken the almonds out and put almond pebbles in there now? Have you noticed how things have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller? You get a bottle. I love Cinnamon Life cereal. The box is about this thick now. It's, you get, get like two bowls out of there. What in the world is happening? Really, seriously. Well, we ended last week at this, with this, that <clears throat> they crossed the river now, but only those that were 19 years and younger were able to go. And I've thought and thought and thought about the text, and I've thought and thought and thought about, don't, it just doesn't seem right that some of those that were older didn't cross. But nor does it seem right to me when, when couples in their 80s will come and visit our church, and they'll, honestly, and they will sit in here and say, this is what we need at our church, but we don't want it. Oh, we want the kids but we don't want the Holy Spirit power that you jump up and down, that you sing so loud we had to wear earplugs, that the pastor would wear a baseball hat. It's out of our, it's totally out of our paradigm. We need the Bible preaching churches, but we still sing out of the Psalter hymnal and praise God down here. Praise God. You say, you're making mockery of them? No, I'm just making a point. You're not going into the promised land if you can't change. If you can't see that God hates grumbling and complaining. And you're always looking for the right church. We got some emails this week about our float in the parade stating they didn't like, they loved the float and they loved the singing and they were looking for a good church and they would like to come and visit here, but they can't because there were people carrying a sign that said, we love Trump and Pence. And I wrote back and said, I endured a man for eight years in the White House and didn't riot in the streets and supported our president during those eight years. We need to show the support for our president over the next four years. There are always grumblers and complainers everywhere. They're already complaining secretly in, the, in, in their chair today. I'm enduring this, Pastor, but I'm not coming back. So you don't get to go. Then you don't get to go into the promised land. And as we finished last week, I said this, God is setting you up always for the next miracle. He's always setting you up for the next miracle that he wants to perform. And if you view it that way, you, it will happen. When my wife got on the plane, she did not know who would be sitting next to her and Sarah, who goes to our church. She had no idea, but she knew this. I'm going to sow promised land seed. Yes? I'm going to sow promised land seed. I am going to live in such a way and talk to this person like I actually believe there is a home beyond the sky. Well, I actually believe in that and I'm excited about it because there is. And one of these days, and the older I get, the more I realize this, I'm going home. Oh, man, I'm glad I don't just go to dust. Josiah was saying, Dad, it seems like there's dust every day because I was making him help me clean the place up. 
It just, oh, I hate dog hair. And I just hate all this dust. And it reminded me that we turn back to dust. We're somebody's living room dust. Ew. Yeah. We're somebody's dust. You have lost all vision. You've become a grumbler and a complainer. And you can't see beyond your circumstances right now. So you're not expecting your next miracle. I am. They ended up waiting because it says in Joshua 3.16, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Right across from Jericho. In fact, I kind of picture it that when they were crossing the Jordan River, they, they put their foot into the water and they could already see the great city of Jericho. And they had to be thinking to themselves, what have we gotten into here? History tells us that Jericho was built on about 8.5 acres of ground. There were two massive stone walls. It was built on somewhat of a mountain. One wall was built at a lower elevation on the mountain, and then 15 feet up from that was another wall. This first wall was about 20 feet tall, so that if you actually made it over the first wall, you would be in a corridor which ran down between the two walls that was heavily guarded. People would be killed if they got over that wall before they could even attempt to get over the higher wall on the inside surrounding the city. It was scary. It actually reminded me of years ago um, that I was a fan of Ronald Reagan one of the greatest presidents America has ever known. He was a godly Christian man. And while Reagan was alive, he had the opportunity to go, and I'm jumping ahead some who's ever following me on PowerPoint. He had the opportunity to go to Berlin and talk to the Western Berliners. Because back in 1961, Gorbachev had declared that East... Berlin, and West Berlin would be divided by a gigantic wall that would run down the center. In the same type of structure as the wall we're talking about surrounding Jericho, there was an outer wall, and then about 15 feet in, there was an inner wall and towers where they could shoot anyone who attempted to cross over from East Berlin to West Berlin. And I was trying to picture what it had to be like when they started building the wall and people that are living in East Berlin thinking to themselves, we're going to be in, trapped in here in this part of the city. And it was that way for quite some time until Reagan went there and stood right outside on the free side of Berlin. And a famous saying that he had in his speech that day was this, Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate, tear down this wall. Tear down this wall. I can still hear him saying it when it was on the news. Can't you? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And I, I started thinking, even looked up online, what about the great wall that our president is proposing right now on our southern border, which would be miles and miles long and cost billions of dollars? 
but that was one of his campaign promises. There is territory on our southern border that is, it's not possible to build a wall, but it would also be very, very difficult for people to cross through that area to get into our country. But I couldn't help but think to myself, it's interesting because some countries build walls to keep people out and others build walls to keep people in. We are still the greatest land in the entire world. All you have to do is go visit another area of the world, right? Those who have been on mission trips, it changes you. You don't even begin to realize how awesome it is that we are free to go wherever we want to go. Just pretty much say whatever we want to say. We live in this great, great country that is still free. As I was reading about the southern wall that Trump wants to build, there have been many proposals already on what the wall should be constructed of and how to go about it. And they've actually talked about dumping all the nuclear waste and a trough that would be over 100 feet deep so that if you swam through this moat, you would not make it anyway. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, is this what we really want? Is that what it has come to in our world that now we have to build walls to keep our enemy out? Now, I want you to picture Jericho. Because now the children of Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, who's 85 years old, and Caleb, and they actually, they actually got to the Jordan River, as God had told them to do, and they actually were able to cross on dry ground, but because if you remember the text and if you looked at it at all, and I'm trying to hurry because otherwise it'll be a three-hour-long message. If you've actually read it, you'll understand this, that the priests had to step down to the water first with the Ark of the Covenant. Now it was the tool that the Israelites saw used to defeat the enemy. And so as the priests stepped down into the Jordan River, the Bible says that the waters actually parted and were held back and the ark was carried down into the riverbed and the people, 19 years and younger, Joshua and Caleb, stepped on dry ground and crossed over into the land that had been promised to them. This is what I see with so many of us. We think that once we get saved and we get into the promised land and are assured that when we die, we'll go to heaven, we think that it'll all be rosy posy there. That everything will be just great. And what we don't understand that at every bend and every corner, not only is God desirous of giving us another miracle, but he will also show us that the enemy is still there waiting to attack. He's always around. And so I just have four quick things I want to mention this morning. Number one, that we need to have confidence, or three, excuse me. Number two, that we need to be confrontational. And number three, that we need to have the conquest in mind at all times. I am going to live a victorious Christian life. Look with me on the screen at verse one. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. Before they even set out 
to do what God was telling them to do. God had already given them a promise that I have given Jericho over to you. If you want it, if you really want to be free, because I look around the room and I can't help as a pastor is thinking, I wonder if she really wants to be free of this addictive behavior or he. Do they really want to be free? Do they really want to take the promises of God and apply them to their situation? And I want to share this because some people have this elusive idea that if I just go somewhere else, I'll be better. If I just find a new church, if I just find a new husband, if I just move to a new state, if I just get a higher paying job or whatever, then I'll be happy. I will guarantee you something. Those do not promise happiness. He had already promised them that they would have victory if they went in. This is precisely what happens when you have extraordinary circumstances with only ordinary skills. What happens is this. If you use your ordinary skills directed by God, extraordinary circumstances are nothing. Simple for God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because little is much when God is in it. Do you see the protecting hand of God in your life? Do you see the sovereign hand? Come on, come on, listen to me. You have something happening that almost seems like it could be a negative, but then God brings a blessing out of it if you're looking for one. You get that? You could be dead. There were two accidents near my house this week. I live over in Georgetown Shores, and there's a big curve there around Van Buren. It's a very dangerous place. Many, many cars have rolled over there and accidents have taken place. And I came around the bend one day this week and there was a car that was literally demolished. It had rolled several times and I noticed that it had gone off up into the grass and just literally tore it all up and there were three Asian young people sitting with a police officer. Those Asians. not just eggs that they roll. It's like, they're sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm seriously thinking to myself, they're lucky to be alive by the looks of the car. No, we don't believe in luck. That was a horrible word. They're blessed to be alive. Car was demolished. I don't even know how they got out of the car. Then yesterday, I was headed to the church and the road on the bend was completely shut off. No cars could go through there. And I noticed that a car had come around, knocked down an, a, a pole with the electricity on it, and driven into someone's house. The whole front of the house was gone. It was closed most of the day so that the police could investigate it. I'm thinking, this is dangerous stuff. You've got to be careful how you drive, how you maneuver your vehicle. And you have to be careful in your Christian life that you're maneuvering your life in such a way that you're in a place where God is working, where you can join him, and you don't just think you can go anywhere. They cross the river. They're opposite of Jordan. They're looking at the, excuse me, Jericho. They're looking at the great walls of Jericho. And I am sure that some of those young people were saying, what in the heck, we can't do this. There's not just one wall, there's two walls. This is insane. There's no way in there. 
It's not possible, but look what the scripture goes on to say. It says, and you shall march around the city and all the men of war circling the city once every day for six days. You shall do so. Also, seven priests carrying seven trumpets like this. Mm. That's not how you're supposed to do it. But I can't pucker my lips like a trumpet player. Seven priests with the seven shofars out in front, symbolizing the power of God and the desire to have God be glorified. And then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and a priest should blow the horns seven times, and it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now, they had the option of believing that God is with them. Yes, they did. Do you believe God's with you? You have the option of believing that today. I have the option, but I want to tell you this. When God puts you in a precarious position of you desperately needing a miracle, you're going to teeter on that thing like crazy. Yeah, God's going to be with me. Oh, yes, I trust God. Oh, I don't, God, I don't know what you're going to do. Oh, God, I'm really scared. Oh, God, it seems like it's never going to happen. They had the option to believe that if they did this ridiculous thing, that the walls would come tumbling down. But there were a few things that were very important. Remember, there had to be preparation in verse 1. Now, Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. They had to believe this. They saw the walls closed. The gates to the city were closed. It's closed up because guess Who's afraid? The mighty warriors of Jericho have heard about these young people. Guess who's afraid? They shut the doors. They shut the walls. They boarded it up and barred everything closed so that this great army that they saw out there who had certainly no experience as warriors. They were raised in the wilderness. And they're out there and they're bringing fear to the people of Jericho. I'll I put this in my notes purposely. The best preparation for tomorrow is to obey God today. You can be assured that if you're going to get victory, it's because you were obedient to God. You're sitting in the room and you wonder why you're discouraged and why you just can't have permanent victory. It's because you're not learning any lessons. You're not learning anything. God's gently tried to remind you by making this happen and this happen and this happen and this happen. You think, oh, that's, that's not God. That's the devil that made that happen to me. No, it's God that made it happen because God is sovereign. Satan's not. Are you getting this? Are you following me? You wonder why things keep happening. Well, it keeps happening and happening and happening, and you just don't get it. It's not Satan. It's God. He's trying to get your attention, but you won't listen. And you're not prepared for the enemy's onslaughts because you're so used to doing it yourself. 
I can fix this mess. I'll just worry a lot more. Worry will sure take it away, won't it? And people are advising you what to do and what not to do, and you're not listening because you have your mind made up that this is what I'm going to do. And God says, go for it. Go for it. Do you want to do that? Go for it. There need to be preparation. And then there's a promise in verse 2. Really. It says, see, I have already given this to you. You want to be healed? Be healed. Yes. You want to have peace? Have peace. Get over your bitterness. Give it to God every day. Give it to him all day long. You, there are promises of God. And that's why the Bible says in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't keep sinning against you and won't constantly have to be reminded you're going in the wrong direction. Jericho's over there. Face the enemy. Face the enemy because I've already given you a promise. You can be victorious over this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ because by doing that, nothing can separate us from the love of God. No great warrior can come against us because God's got a banner out in front of us saying, this is my kid over here, back down. Sometimes a foe seems so formidable that we just don't think we can make it. Joshua was commanded to see, understand, and so reflect on the fact that as a matter of confidence, Yahweh had already given them victory. It was done. God has already given you victory, and some of you will never experience it because you don't believe it. You're not prepared. You don't believe in his promise. And so victory is always only by the Lord's hand. Only. So we see the word see. See, I have already given this to you. You can't see God or God's way when you are thinking lustfully. And all you're thinking about is your addiction. You think about work all the time because that's what you love. You think about women all the time because that's what you love. You think about money all the time because money's all that matters. And God is saying to you, if you go for that money, you're going to lose your marriage. Yeah. You're going to see that I am God. Likewise, over and over again in the New Testament, we are assured of our triumph over sin and Satan. But thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. The words have given represent a prophetic perfect in the Hebrew text which describes a future event or action as having already been accomplished. It's already done. It's already done. It's already sealed under the blood. It's already done. I am forgiven. Thank God. Then why do we keep bringing it up if God has already forgiven us? Why do we have to go through the same cycle over and over? And you know you're playing people. You're playing people thinking, I'm going to cry this same blues over and over. And God's saying to you, I want you to realize that you've already been given the victory. Why are you dallying around back there in the camp? Face the giant. Victory was assured by the promise of an omnipotent, faithful, and immutable God. One last thing here. Principles. They were prepared. 
They had promises, but they also had principles which applied to their life in verse 3. Dwight Eisenhower said this, a people that values its privileges over its principles soon loses both. You get it? Oh, boy, in America right now, I am sick and tired of those 20 and younger in our country. I love you. I'm sick of you whining grumblers. We should do better than this. I grew up, I grew up in Newport, Minnesota. We lived by the refinery in a tiny little house. And we actually had a nicer house than most of the people. You have already forgotten how America has changed because you don't have any history to point back to and your parents aren't talking to you about it. You live better than any generation has ever lived. You have more than any kid has ever had. You don't need a house. You don't need $20,000 a year more. You need God. You need to be knocked right over the head with a two-by-four that wakes you up to the fact you are headed for destruction because all you want is more. Not more of God, more stuff. That will not bring you happiness. Listen to me today. Only God does. Only God. They were prepared. They had promises. And they had principles by which they lived. Principles that they followed a people that values its privileges over its principles will soon lose both. We're on the verge of that as a country. There is civil war brewing in our nation. There are black groups marching in the streets this week. Women's groups. It's, it's ridiculous it's so out of control. We will get what we deserve. We will get exactly what we deserve. The walls of the city won't be flattened. We will will be run over by another power. And it says, and you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Each day they had to listen to God and do the same thing. And I'm going to guarantee you this is what was going on. They're out there and there's a bunch of 19-year-olds and they're, they were raised by grumblers, grumbling parents. And they're just walking around this massive 8.5-acre city. They're walking around the city, and they're thinking to themselves, this is so stupid. If we're going to do it, let's just do it. If we're going to do it, let's just do it. Get, get your phone out, and let's tear the wall down. You know, get your video games out, and let's, let's take it down. We, we can do this now, can't we? Come on, come on now, remote. Just take the walls down. They get your little drone. My wife bought Josiah a little drone in the airport. It's really cool. has a camera on it even. It's got little lights on it. The dog was petrified this morning. <laughs> Josiah comes in in the bathroom and says, Dad, jo um, what's the name of our dog? <laughs> <laughs> you could tell I just love her. <laughs> That's a mama's dog. We had a Doberman growing up. I'm such a man. <laughs> With flowers on his pocket. <clears throat> what? Purple ones at that. Josiah said, well, the dog is acting, Dad, the dog is acting really weird this morning. And then I go out in the kitchen to the counter and I see, you've got the drone out. He's chasing the dog with the drone. There's little <laughs> lights down on it. This thing is scaring the crap. My wife hates that word, but I think it signifies 
literally the crap out of the dog. And he's just following around. I'm thinking, wow, is that cool? <laughs> you know? Mm. This is a big city, fortified city with a great army inside. And there's people already that are picking up their parents' grumbling spirit. This is stupid. We've been doing this now five days. But God said, do it six, do it seven. You got to do it. I don't think there was a whole lot of talking, to be honest. I think they were ready to take the land because God had promised it. They were living by principles. And God's power and our faithfulness to his directions or plan is very important. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. There's a second thing real quick. I would say that confrontation is important and the average person doesn't like it. You don't like to confront about things. The Christian life is not a rest from conflict, but a rest in conflict. Not a rest from, but in. There will be conflict all along the path. There will be conflict today. There was conflict when three different people wrote and said they didn't like the fact that we had Trump signs in by our float, otherwise they might visit here. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why would you want to visit here? Because I'm going to say this. I'm not a huge Donald Trump fan. I think he should shut up. But he's our president. And he's conservative. We had one young man that's gone to this church forever this week said, I'm not coming here anymore because I'm sick of the conservative right-wing mentality of the church. And Casey said to me, and that's something new? Haven't we always been like this? Radical enough to let people know we want to see our nation believe abortion is wrong, that same-sex marriage is wrong, that God has distinct things to say about subjects that we shouldn't be evasive about but confront straight on. Confrontation is, does not mean that we as Christians are not going to have any conflict it's being willing in the conflict to believe that God is still in control. Isn't he? Now, how about a shout? God is in control. Yes, there's going to be confrontation. Look, look I'm going to skip those verses. Because this confrontation actually ushered in victory. See, in Canaan, there are going to be perils in your Christian life. In mine this week, I had a lot of peril, enough to just stress me to the max. There will be perils of presumption, presuming that God works the same way all the time. Do you know that he never used this trumpet shouting deal again? After they left Jericho, they went to Ai, and Jericho was the gateway to the rest of the promised land. They needed to win Jericho, and so God gave them supernatural gifts and abilities and trumpets and crazy stuff like shouting and blowing the trumpet on the seventh day seven times because seven is a significant uh, number. Seven is the number which signifies perfection. When you do what I want you to do and you live holy, the walls come tumbling down. There is no peace when you are living in known sin. Seven was used 11 times. It was seven times around the wall with seven trumpets and seven blasts. And on and on, God said, I will give you perfection because the walls will come tumbling down. Do what I'm telling you to do. There will be 
confrontation along the way. There'll be the peril of compromise, our unwillingness to believe that God has already given us the victory. And he, the word says this is a confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. All we have to do is obey and believe in his promises. You got to be prepared because there are promises that are given, but you got to live by principle. You can't bounce in and out. Ladies who come to Bible study because they need God desperately at that time, then they're gone. Men will come to men's Bible study because they need God, and the next thing you know, they're gone. Right back to their old ways. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be the peril of one last thing, of in indolence. You might think that indolence or status quo is the right life. I disagree. I said Rock Church needs to be known for its outspokenness about corruption in our culture, about a culture that thinks it's okay to do anything we want to do. You can give yourself over to the status quo and go through life, but you're not going to leave life very happy, and you're not going to be looking for the promised land. In Egypt, conflict is with the world. In the desert, conflict is with the flesh. And in Canaan, conflict is with the devil. The devil will not stop until he gets you, but stop blaming the devil for something that God did to you last week. Mm. God did it because you won't trust him. I know you're talking to me, Pastor. I know I'm going to get this this week. I'm going to get little notes. You were referring to me, weren't you? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Got it? <laughs> the shoe fits, wear it. God is so loving, and I care so much about you, and I'm going to tell you this. God wants to stop you dead in your tracks before you are dead in your tracks. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does, doesn't he? You start to slowly but surely give way back to the enemy. And God says, enough. Enough. One last thing. They were guaranteed conquest. I love this. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And is that it? Okay. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets because the ark of the covenant had to be protected. Because the glory of God was in there, the Shekinah glory of God. They weren't going to let anybody attack that ark. God needs to be protected. When people take Jesus' name in vain and God's name in vain, you say, that's offensive to me. He is my God. Stop acting like he's some awful deity out there that you can curse. And it says, but Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you. Shout then, you shall shout. <sighs> if that didn't go with John Gray's message that I listened to last night, I don't know what did. He said there are times to be silent. Shh, stop. You love to tell everybody all your dramatic little things. That's me because that's how we work out our situation. 
by talking about it to other people and getting them to sympathize with us. And, and we got a story to tell. Stop, 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 stop. God has promised us for you. You can rest in it. Can't you? God is sovereign. You can rest in it. The Lord, the scripture says in Exodus 14, 14, will fight for you while you keep silent. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the Lord, in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. You got a guarantee. I have a guarantee that anything that happens to me, if I'm pure in heart with God, will be for my good. God only uses these kind of things for one of two reasons. He's either disciplining you or growing you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pastor, I hate that. That actually makes me mad at you. Say something else I can get mad about. Because I'm back in the desert. And I like it back here. What? Do you know, you know something? I think that God would have let any of those people that were 20 and over into the promised land they didn't want to go. They had recipe books on 40,000 ways to prepare manna. Other books, quail at its finest. Soups, salads, and even desserts from manna quail. They had new names for it. Manna quail is delicious. Craziness. They didn't want to go. Let the younger people have this kind of church. Notice our little needle over there? We're putting the names of people who actually gave by faith their money. We need $80,000. You should pick up a card on that table right outside this room and decide to give. Because you're investing in kids' lives when we get that building finished. We need it before winter. And we won't unless you help us. You are investing in somebody's life changing, just like the 16-year-old that Becky led to the Lord. If they had only taken the China trip for one reason, to lead that boy to the Lord, would it have been worth it? Oh, yeah, because what if he becomes a Joshua? What about that? What if he becomes a Joshua? There is a conquest that God, so he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once, then it came up into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the covenant, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the covenant of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And guess what happens? Guess what happens because we don't have time to read the whole thing. The walls went flat. So I was reading what various theologians and guys that have written about the subject talk about, and they say, well, there are those out there that are saying, you know, it's, it's not possible that this could have happened by blowing Trump, obviously. Seven of those things is going to bring the walls down. And they say, so that's why we think the Bible's not right, and it actually was a great earthquake. Wake up if you're sleeping. When I see people sleeping, I think, just slap the person next to you. Now visitors are going to go, that's just crude. 
crude is taken from rude. No, rude's taken from crude. <laughs> I think it's rude to go to sleep, don't you? So what happened? Was it an earthquake? I ask you this question. Does it matter? It happened. And the walls came tumbling down. It doesn't matter how it happened. God told them it would happen. They weren't allowed to keep one thing. They were to kill every man, woman, and child and not to take one thing. A new generation was raised up. 19 years and younger. If nothing else, Rock Church will raise up a new generation of Joshua, Joshua's. They're sitting in the room today. Let's pray. We are going to sing. I know it's late, but we're going to sing the great I am on our way out here. Okay? Thank you for bearing with me that long, but I want you to think about this. What walls need to come down today? Praise man's coming. What walls need to come down today? You need a miracle and God has promised it, that he has plans for your life to prosper you. And you need to see it. But there are some walls that need to come tumbling down. And you need to be prepared for the promise that he has sent to you. Because he wants to guarantee that there is victory right out there if you want it. And you know you need it. You know right now, don't think about anything else. But God is saying to you, there's a victory you need to claim today. And it's very specific. This is not a massive thing. I want you, if you're believing God right this minute for a great victory about a very, very specific thing, I want you to raise your hand. I'm believing God about a very, very specific thing. That's a great number of people. You can put them down. And God wants to do it. Will you stand with me?